Across ESPN Wisconsin, presented by the official beer of the NFL, Bud Light. I'm Ben Brust. Kyle Wallace going through all the emotions. Brad Nortman, six-time, six-year NFL punter. And Chris Larson, homeboy Chris, running the show. That music means we're being joined now by Jason Wildey of Wildey and Tausch, which you hear across these stations from 9 to noon. Jason, welcome in. Homeboy Chris Larson? Homeboy Chris, right, Chris? That's right, yep. Wow. Word. <laughs> Word to your moms. Nice. I like it. Uh, Jason, uh, thank you for joining. I know you just uh, got done with a little bit of media availability. Did you get any answers as to what Matt LaFleur is going to do to stop being outscored 63-6 to in the first half of the last four games? Yeah, they're, they're certainly trying to figure it out, and uh, obviously that is a really bad statistic and one that uh, everyone wants to point out uh, and rightfully so because uh, you play that poorly in the first half, it makes it really hard for you to win games. And when I look at this team, they've had three games now that they've lost where they had the ball in their hand at the end of the game that if they score there, they win the game. Uh, Unfortunately, if you don't play well in the first half, that's the margin for you have, and they failed all three times. So they need to they need to figure it out. I think, you know, Lafleur. I asked them about that just a little while ago. I think the biggest struggle for them is that he still has not quite figured out what exactly is going to work for guys early in games. He's probably he didn't say this, but I think if he's being honest, he's probably being a little conservative early in games, uh, feeling like. You know, that he has to keep things simple for this young group and for this inexperienced quarterback. And so I think you put that kind of stuff together, and that's how you end up, you know, kind of looking like you don't know what you're doing uh, early in the game. And that's exactly how they have looked. Jason, we haven't touched on this yet, but I got to ask, you know, Aaron Jones, he had all that time off to recover. He's healthy. He's practicing. He's in the lineup. He gets 11 touches. A.J. Jones, clearly the more feature back with it. Do we know anything more that's going on with Aaron Jones as far as his health? Should we just expect him on a pitch count the whole year? Have you gotten any more clarity over him? Because he's in a very important part of this offense. That's, you know, his presence leaves a void. Yeah, he's definitely not fully healthy. I mean, they played him, what, 23 snaps yesterday? I think it was 36% of the staff. Yeah, and I Kevin mean, Harlan was shouting you know, I, it out like it was like propaganda for the Packers. He was like, hey, he's going to be on a pitch count. And it's like, oh, geez. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm sure the Broncos had a pretty good idea of that. And and, and as Brad pointed out, I thought A.J. Dillon had probably his best game of the year, right? I mean, he, he ran physically and hard, and that's progress with him. Uh, I I still think he's not playing well enough and they need even more from him, especially if Aaron Jones is going to be on that pitch count. But, you know, I thought, I thought he played, I was not surprised that that Aaron Jones played as little as he did. That was, I did not expect him to play 50 snaps yesterday and he didn't. And so you're right. It does leave a void. And, and one of the reasons I would argue that they're struggling offensively is because their most, experienced and dynamic offensive player isn't playing his full complement of reps. And 
you know, if he's on the field more, he makes, you know, as, as uh, Adam Stenovich said to us last week, something cool always happens when he has the ball. Now, I'm not sure a whole lot of cool things happened yesterday. He did have the catch on the throw by uh, Dontavion Wicks, but you know, they, they need to get him more involved. But if he's only playing 23 snaps, that makes it awfully hard. And you know, I just, I, I don't know. I I don't know enough about the uh, physiology of Aaron Jones to fully understand uh, how something that he downplayed in the immediate aftermath of the Chicago game and claimed he could have gone back into the game has become this lingering issue that even when he plays, he's not able to play a whole lot. And that, that is, that is a major issue for this team and we probably don't talk about it even as much as we do talk about it, probably not enough as a reason for why they're not getting off to faster starts offensively because he is the kind of guy early in the game who can give you that explosive play or pick up the third down when it looks like he's not going to get there, and then suddenly things change and you pick up your, your offense and there's, a, there's a more of a confidence and more of a, uh, a mojo to it because right now in the first half there is zero mojo offensively. We're speaking with Jason Wildes, Packers reporter and also co-host of Wildey and Towson. You can hear it 9 to noon every day or every weekday on ESPN Wisconsin. And Jason, I'm, this has been quite the frustrating day for me after watching yesterday's performance. And I've come to the realization that this team, they're not good and they're not going to win a lot of games this year. Do you think they've realized that this is actually a rebuilding year and not a year they should be expecting playoffs? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think if if we're all being honest and realistic about what they are and who they are, then we shouldn't be overly surprised by this. You know, I'm not. Uh, I was more surprised at how good they looked against Chicago. But, like, I and, – and, look, the loser's lament is always, well, if this play goes the, another way or that play goes the other way. Like, there was a year where uh, – it was before my time – but Lindy Infante was the coach, and some of the old, older reporters that were here before me tell the story of the year that they went 4-12, and 12, and Lindy saying, we were six plays away from going 10-6. and six. Um, Yeah, and I'm so, six so inches away from being 6-8. I understand how that sounds, but, but I do think it's important to recognize that for a team with a bunch of young guys who are inconsistent, and who make crucial mistakes. They had another, you know, LaFleur did it, did let it slip or chose to let it slip. That one on, on one of the other third down plays uh, in the first half when they didn't get anything going offensively, they busted a, a route that the guy ran the wrong route. You can't do that. Like, that screws everything up, right? But in spite of all that, they have now the, the Raiders game, the Broncos game, and the Falcons game this year. In spite of all these shortcomings and all this inexperience, they had the ball in their hand with a chance to go win the game. And so I don't think that they're, like, light years away. It's not like they're getting blown out and getting run out of the gym each week. And they're in those positions in spite sucking in the first half. So, I, you know, that now does that speak also to the quality of their opponents? Probably. Certainly that's a factor. But, like, it's not that they're, you know, light years away – from how, and I'm sure, Brad, you played on a Super Bowl team. You also played on an AFC Championship game team, and you also played on some teams that struggled. I'm sure most teams that uh, lose 
are able to look back and go, well, this game, you know, if we just make this play, it's potentially a totally different game. But the Packers, in the Packers' case, like there's plenty of those plays in the first three and a half quarters, and then they still have a chance at the end. And on the flip side, you could argue that they took that lead uh, against the Saints, and they probably should have lost that game because that's a very makeable field goal that the Saints missed at the end. So the margin for error is small. They, I don't believe that they are just this awful team. I think that's how it feels when you lose to two teams that aren't very good themselves. But, man, oh, man, I, 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 you can – Kyle thinks I'm crazy, but I see the glimpses of what they can be. I'm not sure if they will be that this season, but I can see the flashes yeah, Jason, of Jason, what are those glimpses, though? Because I think people are curious well, I, right now. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's a play by it's a it's a every so often there's a play that you're like, okay, that's exactly how it's supposed to look. Other than okay, the Jaden so, Reed first down where Jordan Love had time, I can't think of a play where I was like, I mean, that's one play. Well, he's got a throw to Dobbs at another point. He like there's the throw across the middle to Dontavian Wicks, who makes a fantastic catch. I think he's a guy that people should be excited about. Like he, mm, he's got, I like that, he, Jason. He he's got he's got a lot of the qualities that you want in a young receiver, and not just because he can throw the ball too. Apparently, like I just I, I I don't think that there is just this complete void of making of playmaking. Like you know, here's another example. Like the the throw that Love misses uh, on the final drive that Watson gets hurt on. Like, that is a throw that he has to make. He can't miss that throw. It's such a critical throw, and he has it there, and he misses it. And then they get the holding penalty, and then they, which was, I didn't think, a good call. And then they're third and 20, and then, you know, he he throws it down the field, and we know what the result is. And it was a, you know, there was a quote from Simmons, their safety, who said that actually was the perfect play call. The Broncos just were better. And I think, frankly, the throw by love hung up too long in the air and that's what allowed them to pick it off. But he should have checked that down. And that's something that will come with experience. He will see that, that, that it isn't there. He'll recognize it quicker and then he'll check it down and then they'll have a chance on fourth and 12 or whatever to try and pick up the first down. I, I think, you know, everyone just doesn't want to, they don't, no one wants to live through this process. I get it. Frankly, Matt LaFleur doesn't want to do it either. But this is the reality of the way they've chosen to structure their team. And I believe that when you watch young players, like Homer has long said, you have to recognize when they do things well because that shows you what they're capable of. You know they're going to screw up. The Ben Brust who played as a freshman was not the same as the Ben Brust who played as a senior. And that that just stands to reason. And you know, even these guys that are second-year guys, I mean, remember, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson both missed significant chunks of their rookie seasons with injuries. Neither one of them played 50% of the snaps last year. So they didn't even – they basically played less than half the season. So they're the second-year guys. They're the most experienced guys, but they're still really learning. Like, I would argue that Romeo Dobbs, in theory, we were talking about this this morning on our show, is the number one receiver. Well, then why the hell does he disappear for long stretches? 
I would argue it's because he's inexperienced still, and he hasn't found ways to get himself consistently open. And maybe he never will, or maybe that light will come on between year two and three, or maybe that'll come on later this year. Or he's just not good enough. Maybe, but I don't think that's the case. Like, you see some of the things he does. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not sure, you know, out of the six guys they have on the active roster at wide receiver, maybe Wicks is able to hold on to that ball, that simultaneous possession. But the dude, he does, he has really strong hands. And Romeo Dobbs makes a play there, which, by the way, was officiated correctly. I don't know what Gene Steratore was Yeah, that was about. bizarre. But the, the bottom line is, is that I see enough encouraging things that I don't, I, I don't want Packers fans like Kyle to be so downtrodden. But Tosh keeps telling me it's not my job to, to do this, so I'm going to stop telling fans it's going to be okay. I do feel like I'm a little Rodgers-ish with the relax. I feel like I'm trying to do that for this team and it's not working all that well. So I'm just going to stop doing it. Well, uh, I think Kyle appreciated Jason. Thanks so much for the time. And we look forward to talking to you Thursday. All right, guys, take care. Be good. That's Jason Wildy of Wildy and Touch, which you can hear weekdays, Monday through Friday from nine to noon. I know somebody that he references is a big fan of Gina Della from Pella and somebody here is as well. If there's one team that we can count on, it is Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, led by our friend Gina Della. And this is the team we can count on because they just keep on executing any play you need. You want to open up your window, let that nice autumn breeze in there, check. The cold air coming, I saw that next week, close it and fortify it. Durable, stylish. They have blinds that go between the glass now, between the between their windows. Unbelievable things that Pella Windows and Doors just continues to deliver on. And that includes installation, which is completed in as little as a day leaving no mess, no hassle, just the perfect results that Pella Windows and Doors always gives you here in Wisconsin. So schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Cheers to Pour One Out next.